What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all. Happy Wednesday. This is Josh Norris out in Durham, joined by Jeff Ponce out in Worcester, Mass., for another edition of The Bear, that's me, and The Parrot, talking about this week's hot sheet. The Parrot, of course, is Jeff. There's not a, a bird Ooh. in the room that I know of. Um, but this is our third installment of our hot sheet uh, podcast that goes along with our hot sheet chat and our hot sheet, in which we talk a little bit about the players on the hot sheet, but then just some about baseball in general. Uh, so this week, you know, after a long night of updating our or getting ready to update our top 100 and our midseason top 30s we uh turned uh, bleary-eyed and caffeine veined toward hot sheet and what we came out with was what you see on the website right now uh jeff how do you think the list came out this week since you were the parrot who put it together yes i uh I like, you know, I, I definitely will take um, some shots on some lower profile guys from time to time, um, you know, and try to put some different names out there for sure. Um, maybe I got a little bit of cute. I don't know. But I think there were a lot of good performances this week, um, you know, particularly at the upper levels of the minors. And, you know, I do always try to put some weight in that. The guy's performing at triple A or double A versus a guy that's doing it in low A, um, you know, age appropriateness, all of that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought it came out pretty good. We did get some some top names on here as well, some interesting prospects. But overall, I felt pretty good about the performance I had. And, uh, yeah, I think we had maybe one one pitcher that allowed a, a run the entire week between the group that we have on the list. So. You know, always trying to find the best possible performance from week to week and uh, guys with interesting stuff because if I'm picking the players, I like to take the pitchers as my own and write about guys that have interesting fastballs and secondaries because that's the stuff that I get excited about. What I heard in that in that uh, 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 thing you just said was, I like to take shots and I like to get cute. So, <laughs> yeah hey. that's the, that's the jeff ponce brand right there <laughs> but uh in all seriousness um 
at the top of the list, we have a guy named Esteban Florial, who will be familiar to Yankees fans as their former number one prospect, low these many years ago. Um, he's had a heck of a last couple months or so, um, or month at least. Um, you know, the thing about him was, as I put it in the capsule, it's never been about lack of talent. And it, it kind of reinforces the phrase, development is not linear. And it's certainly not linear when you break bones in your hands and wrists over two consecutive seasons. And then a pandemic happened. And I think I wrote that he had like 85 games in the 2018 through 2020 season total. Um, so that tends to stunt a guy's development. Um, you know, he was an, an, an untouchable prospect, which we will touch on a bit later. Um, in the Yankee system around 2017, when they were 2017, when they were discussing the Sonny Gray trade, I remember being at a series in Charleston, kind of trying to put together a feature on him with the notion that he would like he might have a week left in the Yankees organization, and then they uh, you know didn't trade him. They managed to put together that trade without him, and the rest is history. The A's got four, uh, three or four guys, and all of them made the big leagues. Um, so. Point is, Florial is back and he's mashing. And the key right now is, you know, he's not chasing as much. He's just not. He's doing a much better job of commanding the strike zone. He's changed kind of the, the angle of his bat a little bit. And that's allowing for more optimized path. And uh, the results speak for themselves. Um, I don't know where there's room at the inn right now. I can hear people screaming from the Bronx uh, in Joey Gallo's spot and sometimes in Aaron <laughs> Hicks's spot. Um, but uh, he definitely has the look of a guy who may be starting to, to creep toward what his ceiling was once thought to be. What do you think of Esteban Fla uh, Florial, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's pretty remarkable, right? Like we, we have guys like this where, you know, maybe they show something in the lower levels. There's some questions as to the approach or the hit. And... We're fascinated by the player and the tools and the skills and kind of like what this guy could potentially be long-term. And then they hit some bumps in the road as they hit the upper minors, which I think is a pretty reasonable thing <laughs> to struggle with. Um, he's still only 24 years old. Mm -hmm. He's got, you know, plus game power, I'll say. just That's just based on the exit data. You know, you're talking about a guy that averages 91 to 92 miles per hour and his average exit velocities, um, you know, on the higher end of that number. Um, a guy who, um, you know, hits, you know, 107 um, to 112 and is, you know, is, is top end exit velocities. So there's, there's juice there. He's hit 113, 114 before in previous years. As you said, I think the bat path has been optimized a little bit. Um, He's getting more flush, more barrel contact. He's he's tightened up his launch angle is probably a good way to put it, meaning that there's less variance in terms of the high end or the low end. So he's sort of hitting those balls in those optimal ranges of like 10 to say like 30 degrees. Um, and, you know, though he still swings and, and misses and there's definitely some contact concerns, um, he makes good swing decisions. He doesn't expand the zone. So when you have power, when you have, you know, some supporting skills in the field um, and you have on base ability, it allows you to have, you know, some of those concerns regarding the swing and miss, where if you're swinging and missing on good pitches in the zone, um, 
you know, it's one of those things where it's like, make contact with one out of three. And if you're, you know, hitting at a good launch angle, you're hitting the right pitches and you're hitting the ball hard, it's not going to matter as much. So he's always going to be somebody, I think, that goes through some struggles and some, 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 some rough patches just because of the nature of the kind of player that he is. Um, but he certainly has sort of refined some of the areas where he was lacking to the point that it's like, all right, this is a fringe average skill now where it was a well below average skill before. And um, that heightened a lot of the other stuff that, that Floreal does. So he's really interesting. You know, I mean, guy that can play center field, it's left-handed power. He gets on base. Um, so you'll take some of the swing and miss with that and, and hope at, you know, 24, he's still refining that. And if he can get to, to sort of like a borderline act, like a real average sort of contact level, this could be a guy that, that, you know, starts every day for a competitive team and maybe even makes a couple of all-star teams. So I think that might be kind of the high end of the profile. There's power yeah. here. There's, there's stuff. I mean, it's, it's a potentially exciting player if, if he's refining it. And it's funny because he's not in the hot sheet this week, but another guy that I've written about over the last week plus that's made some changes. is like, Will Benson, Will Benson has finally sort of become, um, you know, an average plus contact hitter with good swing decisions still has that power, still has some defensive value. Um, but I think both of those guys are good examples of, you know, sometimes like that guys get into that 23, 24 year old range and we kind of write them off when, you know, often that's when they kind of turn the corner. So yeah, Oriel, number one on the list, good example. Um, you know, I think last time we did this, we let you go on your Griff <laughs> McGarry um, preamble and he's number two again this week. So you have your Huckleberry, uh, take your sip of water there, Jeff, and fire up the Griff McGarry hypometer. He's number two on the hot sheet. He's starting today against, oh, uh, Ryan Murphy, I believe, in Richmond, uh, Funville, USA, home of Nutsy and Natasha, the Diamond Baby, the crazy hot dog vendor, one of two crazy hot dog vendors in the minors. All this to say, Griff McGarry, go. <laughs> So uh, McGarry, man, like once again, comes out, um, absolutely shoves in his last start with Jersey Shore. He goes six innings, um, only allowed a hit. He did walk four, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the Griff McGarry playbook. He kind of works around any of the command issues, um, which at times stops guys from making hard contact. Right. So I guess, you know, if you're going to, if it was, let's say four hits and a walk, you probably think, ah, it's fine um struck out 11 he hit 97 on the gun i think seven times um generated a ton of swinging strikes a bunch were against his fastball he got you know a handful against his slider i think he actually got whips against four of his five pitches uh the only pitch that didn't get a whiff was his changeup. um but you know this is a guy that has power in his fastball he is a good cutter he is a good slider um, you know, show that curveball as well, which has some power. Um, it's a great pitch mix, and he's really refined it since he's come into pro ball. Um, that even though he does still have some command questions, it's nothing like it, it was at UVA. He's really turned a corner, and uh, credit to the Phillies because you know they've they've got a couple of these arms now in the system that have um, really impressed over the last couple of years, particularly this season, and particularly within that much vaunted Jersey Shore rotation. So uh, excited to see what Griff does tonight. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it's maybe a rough outing uh, as he jumps the level, but I do think, you know, as he seen, seems to do, we'll probably settle in after a couple of starts and 
you know, we'll start to see um, that signature fastball, slider, cutter mix, mixing in the curveball, mixing in the changeup when he needs it. Yeah, I mean, that's he's he's really interesting. If you told me that you'd have a staff with Mick Abel on it and uh, now Andrew Painter on it and Ben Brown, who's emerged as well on it, and that this guy might be the one who moves the most quickly. Now, granted, he is uh, the most advanced. He's obviously a college guy. But um, I would have taken the, uh, a little bit of surprise on that one. But I did remember having doing the handbook calls last year. And one scouting director I talked to, amateur scout director, I, I don't know why this even came up, but he was like, man, I really wanted him. And I was really angry we didn't get him. Good job, Phillies basically is what he said on Griff Gary. And then he started showing off, I believe, in instructs or something like that and kind of reinforcing this. And now uh, he's kind of a, I don't know if he's on the rocket ship, but he's on a, something between a rocket ship and a regular mode of transportation. He's going up, he's on an elevator, an elevator that's, a, that's most cranked up a little bit to the top. Uh, it's an interesting metaphor. And that's what you get after a, a night like we had last night. So we'll move on to deeper in the list. You know, we're talking about uh, dominant pitchers. Uh, way down in the list, uh, Taj Bradley with the Rays. You know, there's a there's a lot of good arms running around the minor leagues right now. Um, and he is one of the Rays' top prospects for sure. But for some reason, I don't think the hype has been super loud on him this year. But man, oh man, oh man, has he been good. From the hot sheet right up, in the last two months, May and June, dude had an ERA sub 1.5, which is pretty difficult, pretty easy to do, pretty difficult to do, pretty easy to do is wrong, pretty difficult to do, especially when it's your first turn at double A and you're so young, but man, he's got the stuff, he's nasty, he's striking about, since that time he's striking about just a touch over 40% of the hitters he faces, uh, he's really, really good, and I think he's pretty clearly the number one arm in that system it's like neck and neck uh, with him, with curtis mead for like in that system for like most helium in the Rays system what do you think of taj bradley geoff i really like him really good fastball um good slider uh it's an interesting slider shape he mixes in that splitter and and that's the 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 pitch of his that i find to be the most fascinating long term um because the feel for it still comes and goes, but if that's going to potentially be a bigger part of his arsenal as he matures, once he's you know in AAA in the majors, maybe even a year into the majors, um, it's a true nasty three pitch mix that gives a really interesting look, um, just based on his fastball shape, his slider shape, and then having that that splitter that he can mix in there, um, and it's kind of perfect for you know a higher powered athletic um thrower like bradley i mean he's not the biggest guy in the world if you if you see him um but you know <laughs> he dominates and throws and sort of attacks the zone as if he's like a six foot five guy with you know the biggest stuff in the world um you know still like i said athletic the stuff is really really good um he's just not six foot five but he does have you know some absolutely tremendous stuff and uh He's one of my favorite pitching prospects to watch. You know, I, I love an athletic right-hander, you know, that's maybe not the biggest guy in the world. Um, and I mean, he's not super small. He's about average. He's about 6'2", 190. It's maybe, 
bit of a, we'll say a Tim Hudson kind of a body or something, but um, I really like him. And like I said, he's one of those guys that I'm constantly checking for his line every week. When I'm on the hot sheet, there's a good chance that, that he's going to make it. He's been hot. He's been yes. hot, hot, hot. Um, so I, I promised earlier in the podcast that we'd circle around to the concept of untouchable. We are a little less than a month away from the trade deadline. And the terms are going to be fly, flying around a lot. Who's uh, who's asking for whom, from which team, which contender is uh, saying no on giving up their top prospect, and which uh, selling team is trying to get you know which top fifty, top twenty-five prospect in the game? And you're going to hear the word "untouchable" uh, thrown around a lot. I want to know, Jeff, what do you think about the concept of untouchable prospects? Are there really such a thing, or is it all a matter of who's on the table? Yeah, I think that there's probably certain guys that make sense if they're untouchable. Um, like if I was uh, the Orioles, I'm probably not trading Grayson Rodriguez. I'm probably not trading Adley Rushman. They're also um, probably not buying anyway. Yeah, exactly. Corbin Carroll, uh, you know, Jackson Churio, I would say at this point is probably untouchable unless the Brewers know some some scary information that we don't. But we don't want to think that way. Uh but I mean, that's a guy that we've pretty much universally, no matter what scouting director we've spoken with, scouts that work that that beat, we've universally gotten like sixes and sevens on Cheerio. So he seems like a guy that if I was a you know the Bruce farm director, that might be a name that like I personally would probably put on my untouchable list. You know, there would be other guys that we would discuss before we would discuss Cheerio. And you know, they're a competitive team. So, you know, I mean like if Juan Soto was in the equation, I think Churio probably is in the conversation. So I think the concept of untouchable is really sort of like one of those sliders you would have, like when you were learning multiplication, where it was like, you put this number and this number, it's this number. Like, did you ever have one of those like little spinny wheels or am I just so old that I had one of those? But like, it's kind when of like- said, When you said sliders, I thought, no, man, all I ever had was a fastball. I stopped playing when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's like one of those things, if you match up one thing, one thing, you get like a particular answer. And I kind of feel like it's that with like, how competitive is your team? You know, how good are your prospects? And how good is the player that you're trying to acquire? And it's like, then the untouchable equation, I think really changes and alters a little bit. So I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where it depends, right? And And that's kind of the best answer that you can give. But I do think there's some guys that are probably on the untouchable list unless you're talking about some of the premier, premier players in the game. That's the only time that you're going to see a guy. Right. Like that. And that's Potential. generally where I am on that. I think there are fans and fan bases who believe too heavily in untouchables. Like I'll, I'll do my, I'll do my annual and probably my annual list of, Hey, uh, if you're a fan of such and such team, tell me who you think in your system is untouchable. And some guys will send back like five names. And it's like, Okay, then you're not getting anyone because you gotta you, you gotta have someone who's touchable, who's among your your top guys. You can't, you know, just trade three pennies for a dollar here. This is not how this works. But I think you hit on it. Like, yeah, Jackson Chorio is a guy who I mean, I like him. I think he's good. Um, who is probably not accessible to use uh, scouting director terms. Uh, one of my favorite new terms is accessible in most deals, but. If you are the Brewers and you believe you are going to acquire a game-changing player for 
you know, uh, not just one year, not just two years, but a, a younger star, if you can somehow do that, if you can somehow access that type of player, then yeah, Jackson might have to be on the table. I'm not saying there's a scenario out there where that's in play, to be clear. I'm just kind of dreaming here on a, a Wednesday morning. But, you know, that that's the one where you're saying, okay, we haven't won a World Series since 1982. That's longer than I've been alive. Um, we are competitive right now. And if you believe this player has a chance to win you a World Series, not only this year, but maybe help you get over that hump in the coming years, then I think anything and everything has to be on the table. Like, yeah, you mentioned Adley and Corbin Carroll, and those teams aren't. I don't know what scenario there would be where they're uh, buying at the deadline. But, yeah, that's kind of my thing is, is just I think the word untouchable gets thrown around way too long. And some of these guys should have been touchable in retrospect because major leaguers are a lot of things, but they are definitely major leaguers. And the guys who are getting moved around can really help you. Um, win a World Series, which last I checked was the goal of, whole, of this whole thing we, that uh, big league teams do. It's not the goal of you and I, Jeff. We're not going to win a World Series anytime soon. We're just a couple bats short and a couple arms and a couple defenders and a good manager and a budget short of winning a World Series here, Jeff. But, and a stadium. I guess the DBAP might work. But anyway, that's a tangent. Anyway, I wanted to bring up the concept of untouchables because it's one of the most fascinating things in the world to me, at least in the world of baseball, the how teams value certain guys and maybe the, the how fans value certain prospects. Um, so that, that's a long way of saying, you know, there's very few true untouchables in my mind, and I'm not sure there are any at this point. Um, so, Jeff, is there anything else you wanted to add before we move on to the next stage of our day and our week and our lives? No. Um, the only other one I want to take a shout out on here, just because I think it's kind of interesting uh, that a guy like this would make the hot sheet because he's not sort of typically within um, <laughs> sort of the parameters of what we look at. But but Ronan Kopp, who's really a reliever, but goes multiple innings um, for Rancho Cucamonga and Low A, he was a draft league guy, I believe, last year, a MLB combine guy. Um, and got an opportunity, and I think, you know, as a JUCO dude, was able to show off his stuff. And he has some of the best left-handed stuff in baseball, like all of baseball. There's not many lefties that sit, you know, 95, 96, running up to 97, 98, touch 99, would ride, serious bite, you know, low launch, and then mixes in like a mid-80 sweeper. There's not many guys in baseball that throw – a sweeper that gets nine to 10 inches plus of vertical, excuse me, vertical of horizontal break at 84 to 86 miles per hour. But Ronan cop is one of them. The command when you have stuff like that is always going to be a big question mark, but he had a great week across a couple of appearances. Um, you know, was the only guy that allowed a run though it was unearned uh, over his six innings of work struck at 11 to three walks, two hits. And, uh, I think he could be a really interesting high leverage pen arm for the uh, Dodgers. Like they need another one within like two to three years and still is fairly young. So maybe there's some more starter upside there than I think. Um, I, I kind of view him as a reliever, but it's just such interesting stuff that I wanted to mention him here because I think it's fun to kind of give some of those guys shine because they might, uh, they might fall under the parameters of some of your statistical searches and such in, in the minor leagues. If, uh, if you're following along, you know, throughout the year. And we're going to close this podcast here in a second, but before we do, we need to take an ad break. And we will do so right now. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we're back. And before we go, um, I did want to mention that today is Wednesday and Brian Bellow is going to make his debut for the Red Sox of Boston and being the resident Worcesterite, Massachusettser uh, person in that general region. And you have seen Mr. Bellow uh, a few times. Are you excited to watch him tonight on the on the television or will you be at the Cape or what's going to go on? I'm not sure. It's it's all going to depend on uh, how quickly I finish the things that I have in front of me. I have I have so many different ideas, articles, projects that, you know, internally we're working on up until we're out in California for the futures game and all that sort of stuff. So and those announcements are coming out today as well. So I'm, I'm really, yeah, by, I'm really, by, by the really, time you hear this, our boss, JJ Cooper will have uh, mentioned yeah. a few of them on the, on the radio machine. Exactly. So um, I have so much stuff to work on. I have a couple of different interesting draft articles that I'm working on that are going to come out. We got some reports, some updates in the top 30s, some big updates in the top 30s uh, prior to the draft and the trade deadline. And then all that's going to get shaken up in two weeks, <laughs> which I love. And uh, just so much stuff that I'm working on. So we'll see. I mean, I, I want to get out and see Zulueta. It's his first start uh, in New Hampshire, home in New Hampshire. He was in Portland last week against Chris Sale. Really interested to see him now that he's back on the East Coast and up here in the Northeast for the first time. Um, I think I might be traveling to see Zulu. Uh, as opposed to the Cape or watching Bello, but or Bayo, excuse me. But I, I, there's a chance that I could be watching Bayo like on the TV prior to the game uh, and during the game while I'm while I'm there. So, you know, fingers crossed to get all my work done and I can get on the road by five o'clock. But got a lot going on today. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got some. We've got we've got a top 100 meeting here soon. Got about an hour and change. Uh, I don't know what my schedule is going to look like. I've got a, uh, for the upcoming mag. I've got an article about sleeper type prospects in the uh complex leagues um <clears throat> harlan Susanna, hello please proceed to the white paging telephone nobody gets that reference but uh he's he's uh he's a guy to watch out there for sure uh there's some other interesting guys uh if you're a yankees fan keep an eye on a right-hander named Luis serna uh he's in the the uh florida complex league he is the opposite of my other uh favorite uh uh, Angel Benitez, Angel Benitez in the DSL, who is a large human. Uh, Luis Serna is listed at 5'11", 145, and I asked the scout if that's accurate, and he said, yeah, he, with his cleats on, maybe. But uh, he's got some good stuff. He's got a four-pitch arsenal and pitchability and a changeup that uh, has been described as an airbender. So he's, uh, he's an interesting prospect to watch, and he might just appear on the Yankees 30, which comes out, uh, the updated 30, which comes out soon. Spoiler alert. Anyway, for Jeff Pontus, a.k.a. The Parrot, and me, a.k.a. The Bear, this is us signing off for another edition of Hot Sheet Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for the download. Thank you for reading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being a friend. You all are pals and confidants. Goodbye. <laughs>